What's up, everybody? It's the best day of the week. You guessed it. It's Hanger Wednesday. What's up? Hanger Wednesday. Hanger Wednesday has a nice ring to it. I like it. Thank you. It's Hanger Wednesday. Yep. But also, there's a Thursday one, so I don't hang yeah. Thursday. Yeah, we're we're not really good at branding and marketing. Maybe yeah. we should just hang a week. We should intro the episode or something. So, how are you guys doing? I, we never ask this question uh, off mic. We're always busy talking about what we're supposed to talk about, but I think it'd be good to check in on on the microphone. Yeah, just. So I mean, this is what men do, right? It's what men should do: is ask how you doing and get a real answer and record it. Why not? I was just joking. <laughs> it was weird. Well, we spent this whole time like, hey, what are we going to talk about? Let's talk about this. We should do that. And then it's like, we get on the mic. It's like, hey, how you what's doing? up, man? How you doing? Yeah, how you doing? <laughs> do you ever, well, here's a question. Do you ever answer that question honestly? It depends on who's asking. Mm. Yeah, every Tuesday morning at 8. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's when we check in. I, don't, I, don't. I think it feels awkward because men don't ask that question and answer honestly. We're like, Good, fine. It's not just church people that do that. Everybody does that. I don't know. I'm good. I'm actually good. I'm a little tired. It was a long day yesterday, but I'm good today. Feeling like I'm in a good place. Uh, yeah. I got a little stress, but it's about stuff that won't make sense to anybody. Like having to sit in here and control the two of us for <laughs> forty minutes, tightening the leashes. <laughs> like, hold on. <laughs> How about you, Mo? I am well. That sounded so fake. Yeah, but it's proper english (laughs) (laughs) are you well yeah hey you actually have to inside of our community you have to teach this week i know that's a little bit stressful preparing for that then you follow up with another week where you're teaching two two weeks in a row on stage we consistently break the fourth wall on when we record this thing that's true (laughs) he he clearly already taught guys (laughs) it already happened i loved a couple weeks ago you're like spoiler alert it was awesome (laughs) (laughs) yeah but like it still would have worked because then the next week i'm still teaching no, but he already said you're teaching two weeks in a row. Semantics. <laughs> okay. I'm already very confused. Hey, yeah. what, what I do want to bring up as we're, uh, before we actually roll into our topic this week, you were, Mo, listening to our episode that we were, we actually recorded a week ago discussing uh, passivity and something struck you that you disagreed with. I think you were trying to say something I said you disagreed with, but you were being very kind about it. Well, I was, I'm not 100% sure I disagree I'm just a little like I'm thinking through it. All right, well, let's right? get some and I mean, clarity. I'm not afraid to disagree with you, Ben. Sure, um, because I disagree with that jacket. But so I'm still here. We don't want we don't want Ben asking, <laughs> Look, "Hey, how you doing?" But you we're can take listen. the boy out of Northeast Jackson, <laughs> but you can't take the Northeast Jackson out of the it's boy. It's a Patagonia, by I'm, the way. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to for the rest of my life at least have one article of clothing that says Patagonia. I don't I don't get why it's. I never thought it was a Northeast Jackson thing. I just think they're good jackets. Thank you, Chase. I got a Columbia. I just like it. Yeah, it's quality. Yeah, and you paid a lot less for it. I, I found it for free when See? I worked at Freedom oh, Ridge. come on. What a made-up story. <laughs> oh, I found it for free. Yeah, really? It's well, a two-week the two week window. If, it's, if no one picks it up for two weeks, it's I'll mine. tell you what, that North Face backpack I got for free was the best thing I got out of the seminary. <laughs> My goodness. A little swap shop. Wow. Well, I'm sure people are interested in our free paraphernalia. All right, but you two argue. Yeah. Right. We need to talk here. about this passivity okay, issue right. because if, if you heard something right. that you feel like you disagree with or you don't know, then that means probably 90% of our audience was sitting in that same pocket. Okay. Okay. All right. Here's what it is. Was that Jimmy Fallon? Yeah, no. There's no, no way it wasn't. No, 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 no. That was not. You guys don't remember Lethal Weapon? Joe shut Pesci. Up, shut up. No, okay. Just keep going. Okay. Keep my, no, okay. stop. <laughs> it's Joe Pesci. You got to watch it. All right. So um, you talked about the the garden, you know, like that the most 
ancient of stories where where it all went down and Eve was deceived by the serpent to eat of the fruit that the one thing that God said not to do and Adam was there it said that he was there mm-hmm. and we talked about how Adam started this whole humanity thing with passivity in his in his DNA right and the passivity what was caused was what what is what caused um, this whole thing to go down essentially because he wasn't there to step in and say no God said this you know blah 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 all that um, and I had I had mentioned that it was that moment that brought passivity to the rest of us it was that moment and and you had brought up the fact well wait a minute you have to think chronologically you can't it had to be there beforehand in order for it to be the cause of what had happened. Right. I do remember that. So I'm thinking this morning as I'm listening to that episode of the podcast, I was thinking, well, I'm having a hard time understanding or accepting that the the perfect man, like he was made perfect in the perfect place, had something like passivity if it's negative. So if passivity was present in his DNA, God gave it to him for a reason. Okay. So you're wanting to kind of dig into that just a bit? Yeah, I mean, you are. I mean, no, but, uh, <laughs> no, I just, that was my thought. It was like, well, it was, it's either A, it wasn't present, and our passivity is a result of the fall. So that means that there was something else that took place there in that moment. Um, and I'm willing to say that he was, he also was tempted. I mean, he was there, he heard the whole exchange. So even though the dialogue was between Eve and the serpent, he was there. Listen, like he was convinced you eat first. I eat first. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You've got it in your hand. Yeah. You know, either you eat one or I'm going to eat one, but we're going to eat one. Yeah. And, uh, curious maybe. Yeah. Um, but is passivity the right word to describe that? And if it is, then we're going to have to do a better job of explaining passivity and where it's where it's okay and where it's not. Yeah, I think you're right in picking up on that. It may be sometimes when, particularly me, when I get on a soapbox and I kind of see things from my perspective, I can take some Superman leaps in describing how something went down. If I, especially if I can see it clearly in my imagination, I try to connect it to our current reality. I think my just off-the-cuff answer to that is what we see as submission was prop. What we see as passivity was probably the the misapplication of submission. I do believe that submission was in the perfect environment because the created understood that it wasn't the creator, even though the environment was perfect. So we are, I believe as men and women, as human beings, we are designed to submit to the authority of our creator. And that gets to the root of a lot of problems we're actually experiencing today. So maybe as we're digging into the word passivity as connected to Adam in that one instance, that that particular slice of passivity was he decided to submit to the wrong thing. So he submits to the desires of the woman. He submits to the woman's temptation or the instruction of the woman through example instead of submitting to the instructions of God if you look at that as a motivation no matter how you see it the end result is he did not take action against his wife's actions so there's a stripe of I think this this makes sense for me the result is passivity I don't take action 
what's going on inside of me is that I'm deciding to submit to whatever's going on in my home or whatever my wife may be struggling through or wanting to do. I'm choosing to submit to that because I want sex later and I'm passive or I'm choosing to submit to that because I'm just too fatigued to call out the fight or to call out the battle. So maybe we did overstate to say, you know, passivity was born into the heart of a man because that is a pretty big Achilles heel. Maybe it is the misapplication of submission that led to that action or inaction of passivity. Does that bring any clarity? Yeah, I mean, it it, it explains a little more in thought, I guess, about what was said. And I don't know if anybody else thought of it. I mean, it's kind of a theological thing, and those things are kind of always argued anyway. Um, but I just yeah. wonder... I think there's value in that. Yeah, well, no, yeah, there's definitely value in it. I just don't know that we're going to come to a, a resolution anyway, but I was just wondering, I, I'm still, I'm still not... 100% sure where I stand on it as, as far as understanding. There's The truth is there is a problem of passivity. Correct. We current day struggle with that. Everybody. Where did it come from? I mean, I think there we see an example of something in the garden that would resemble that, that we could use, we could say that. But I'm just wondering... And I'm not against the fact that he had it, but if he did, then it was, like you said, misapplied. Yeah. My, my big point, and I like what you're doing, you're kind of backing out of the argument just a, a minute to say, I don't know this is ever going to be solved, but it was a question that was raised. The main thing for me, I guess, to provide clarity is I think when we find camaraderie in passivity then we as a community can find the cure to passivity. When we understand that the original man, Adam, had something that looked like that in his story, regardless of the origination point or what God was up to in that, if we can trace it that far back, then it pulls us out of, out of isolation because we find camaraderie like, oh my gosh, this goes all the way back to the beginning. I'm not the first guy to be the passive man that has wreaked havoc in my world. So once I find that camaraderie, I can come out of isolation. I can start talking to other men about it. Have you experienced this? And then through that communal exchange, we can find the cure for it, which I think that's what we're out for as hanger man. But I, I do think it's um, very honest of us to say perhaps we overstated as we were conversing. I mean, it's not like we have this all worked out on a whiteboard and it's beautiful. I mean, we're just hashing this out and perhaps we did over overstate last week, but we don't want that overstatement to rob the power from the point that we do struggle with passivity as the modern man. And there's got to be a way to, to find our way out of that. I think we did a good job on that part of it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and it, and it wasn't, that was my, where my reluctance to bring it up even came from was that, well, I mean, we're not claiming that this is a theology podcast. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like when it comes yeah. to... Nor you know, will we ever claim that it's a theology. Who would listen to that? Yeah, well, and if he is, then he's listening to the wrong Sorry, podcast. Man. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, man. Go over yeah. to... Uh, there's a couple of guys you could listen to. And now you know why we don't have an email address. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a good thing to discuss, and I think it helps us kind of turn the corner because this week we're wrapping up this whole idea of the art of war and that a war has many battles. We've gone through a couple of different phases of this discussion. We've talked about, obviously, passivity 
We've talked about the father wound. There's been some smaller ideas in there about taking the correct weapons to war, uh, having having confidence in the fact that uh, there is victory in the end makes a big difference. I mean, this just is a really, really big idea that's hard to contain within four weeks. But where, where we'd like to go today, I think, is a good bookend to this whole conversation, or maybe just a pause. We'll probably pick it back up later because, as we've discussed, you just can't avoid the language of war inside of the Bible, inside of how a man should act. I mean, it's, it's all over, especially in the New Testament. Part of that, I think, was that they were surrounded by very— uh, militant culture. I mean, even today, if you are to go to that part of the world, I spent some time in Turkey. And uh, I mean, this culture is just extremely militant. So for Americans who have gone through Woodstock in the 70s, it causes us problems, but not for that part of the world. And uh, so I think God is going to continually bring us back as we're discussing the masculine journey to the language of war. Today, we're going to talk about, uh, hopefully, we're going to hash out what it actually means to be in war and what some of the potential problems are inside of trying to operate as a man in an extremely chaotic environment. So part of what we're going to propose as we get this part of the conversation kicked off is it is extremely critical to be able to be calm inside of the chaos. So I, I love the way we do this, um, just to kind of get y'all's responses to this idea that it's important for a man as he's exercising his masculine heart in the world to be able to stay calm in a chaotic environment. How do you guys feel that that connects to the language of war, this series we've been in called The Art of War, as we're bringing it to a close? The staying calm is like critical um, in war, right? Like it's... It's when I, I'll, I'll I'll think. I mean, I've never been in war. As far as like, you know, like I've never been in the military. In the United States military. Yeah, yeah. So you I mean, are I currently in spiritual. We've made that point. Yeah. Um, but I, and I'm I'm trying to relate it. So I, I think about a friend of mine who owns a MMA dojo, and he um, he he has a lot of pro fighters, and he's he's a man. He's he's an amazing amazing trainer. He's amazing. Uh, at what he produces as far as fighters are concerned and the talent that he's able to cultivate through these these men and women. Um, but one of the things that I, I remember seeing him discuss, I had the luxury of being on the in the corner, on the corner team at one of these fights. No way, with like the mouthpiece and the spit yeah, bucket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I got incredible. to be, I got to be backstage when they're doing all their prep work and taping the the hands, and it was it was awesome. As the chaplain, like that was what I was invited to do. Is that pray with the environment guys. like as mysterious as it seems? It's just this whole spiritual experience for the fighter. My goodness, man! I I uh, I wrote a blog about it actually. It's Did the, you really? Yeah, yeah. It's like the one blog I've ever written that like got like two hundred hits or something like that. It was, pretty good that's i liked awesome. it <laughs> when i went back and wrote read it i was like wait did i write that that's awesome um anyway so wait, hang on we can so you can find that on medium that's a no, no um oh man i don't know where you could find it honestly you should put, we'll put it on medium that'll be easy yeah i could probably do that okay i mean i have to I, they shared the link just the other day so i know where to find it but sorry man i'm sorry for interrupting i was just like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how many men actually get to do that yeah that's i awesome. mean it was an experience but one of the things that 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 they had to remember and that they had to train was to keep a cool head, especially when somebody's punching you in the face. It's real easy to lose your cool, right? And uh, and their part of what they had to do was remember their training, keep a cool head, because once they lost their cool and they lost their calm in the middle of that fight, that's when it all went to hell. 
That's when they that's when they lost the fight. Like the person who can remember his strategy, the person who can go into this 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 battle between two men and or women, but between these two guys, man, the one who can keep his head, remember his training, execute the plan as it was prepared, um, is usually the one who comes out on top. Like it's not an emotional roller coaster in there, even though it may be emotions may rise up. You may feel like you're, you know, losing or something like that. If you can keep your cool, remember your training, then you can actually come out on the other end victorious, no matter the way it feels in that moment, whether your 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 back's against the ropes or whatever. Um, so it was that's where I learned the importance of keeping a cool head in the middle of a battle is because once you lose that control over your emotions that's when you make mistakes that's when that left hook hits you you know what i mean that's mm-hmm. when that's when that 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 right knee comes out of nowhere and next thing you know you're waking up in the back room you know you're making the proposal or actually describe it's not a proposal you're describing to us then in that extremely violent uh sport i guess you could call it a sport right uh, so. Man, it's just it's so violent. I I hate to call it a sport because there are all other things that are not that violent that are called sport. To me, it's an art. Uh, that sort of fighting is an art more than a sport. I really respect those guys for what they can do and just the the beating they're able to take and stay calm. That may be a better, more applicable example for a lot of us that haven't been through uh, military training, which we're going to get to in a minute. Um, So how do you feel about it, uh, Chase? Not as an MMA fighter (laughs) or a guy that's been in the corner of an MMA fighter. How do you feel about this statement that, you know, staying calm in the chaos is is pretty critical? Well, when you think back to the movie Fight Club. Oh, my God. I totally opened the door on that. My gosh, walked in. I just I accidentally did that, but please continue. Uh, I won't. I won't stick there. It's just the whole time you're saying that, I was like, that's the most Fight Club thing I've ever heard. Even though it's like you know way more official and all that. But uh, honestly, I don't know that I could say it much better than Mo did because I, I honestly everything he said is pretty much what I would say. Just he had a cooler story <laughs> to go along with it. I don't. I, one time when I was editing a video on my computer, I was just real frustrated. It's like that's didn't have the the same punch. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I just had a thought real quick. I have to. Okay. This is this is this is a little out there, but one of the craziest things that I noticed about that experience is that the fighters that are fighting each other are in the same room, backstage, getting ready. Yeah. No, that's not even true. Yeah. It can't be. I'm telling you. I mean, at this fight, right? And and when you're not, at, I guess at that up there in that level where okay. you're getting paid millions of dollars, and uh, so they're all in there. And they're all in this big room, and they've got separate corners. They're going to go punch each other in the face a lot. Like their goal is to knock that guy out. And they get along better during and after those situations than people who sit around a table and talk theology. I wonder what that's about. I, you know what? I bet I know what it's about. Mutual respect. It probably has a lot, a lot to do with respect. I think that that is the case. A lot of that stuff where those guys are nose to nose and screaming at each other and throwing money at each other. That's just that's just also people buy the pay per view. I mean, that's all that's hype. Most of it, I think. Um, calling back on recent experiences, I remember watching boxing a lot with my dad as a kid. My grandfather was a, a boxer uh, before he was a pastor, <laughs> and in between he was a farmer. Really interesting story. Uh, but my dad's pretty fascinated with boxing, and we used to always talk about the reach. Uh, I don't know if that's something uh, my grandfather taught my dad, but you know the guy the guy that has the longer reach has the advantage in a boxing match. Uh, but if you can have a solid game plan in response to that reach, 
going to the body, getting inside the reach, whatever it may be, then you you probably will come out better because the other guy's leaning on his advantage. But if that reach reaches your face really quickly, <laughs> then the plant, you know, when you think about when they go to the corner in the middle of the rounds, what is that guy doing? There's a guy with Vaseline. There's a guy, you know, putting the cold plate on the face. There's a guy giving water. But the only guy talking that I can recall watching all those boxing matches, he's reminding him of the strategy. He's reminding him of the strategy because he's out of the he's out of the fray and he's got the ability to have some clarity to be able to remind the fighter you're going away from the game plan you're going away from the game plan so i think as we're we're talking about staying calm in the chaos as being men and how this works out in our relationships part of the problem i'm finding out through sitting with men and also examining my own story is that we don't have uh, solid training we also don't have a good plan going into situations so I think training occurs in a community of men. Um, that's where we are able to, to train in the safe places, developing a game plan. I think God is the best influence to have a good game plan. We've talked a lot about this already, but I think we're just trying to put it into the context of when I go into, can we just bring it into real time and maybe get out of the MMA ring? When I go into a situation of, um, as my dad would say, a hot LZ. When we go into a hot LZ and we're about to have a confrontation with our child, with our boss, with our spouse, how do we make sure that we can adopt this calm mindset? What do you guys do or what could we tell the hangar man would be a good first couple of steps? I think one version... I'm gonna dive back into the MMA realm real quick. Oh, just please, yeah, because no, I'm just of the, on a big speech to say let's move on, but, but yeah, go the back. You said something that I think was super, uh, super useful, and that's the guy in the corner reminding him of the game plan. Like this isn't the only solution because not every every problem calls for this. But you need, if not if not one or if not multiple guys, and at least one guy on your side that knows your game plan. And so when you come to him with questions. All he's going to do is say, you know what you have to do. It's not, it's not, the thing is a lot of the stuff that we talk about, it's only ever as hard as we make it. Hmm. It's, it's a very simple thing to stay calm the, in concept. The hard thing is actually doing it. So that's, I think, that's where the benefit of having somebody on your side coaching you through what you're doing, that's when it comes in handy, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I think we, we don't do a good job at that, uh, either because we're too embarrassed to ask beforehand or we're too embarrassed to reveal the results of how it went. Uh, but having those conversations, you're absolutely right in that it's usually not extremely an extremely complicated strategy. In fact, most strategies that are good are pretty simple. Uh, but we love to sit around and talk about it and make it more complex because we have a lot of complex feelings associated with it. My new banner these days is that men traditionally and I think almost universally have very little ability to figure out their emotional landscape. And that is more important to face the chaos that's going on internally than the chaos that's going on externally. Uh, if you were to step outside of the situation and see what's going on, let's just take it down to this. You're having an argument with your son. You know, are you having an altercation with your boss? It's not a real complex situation. Your life isn't in danger, but it feels extremely chaotic. Guys, I've been in situations where my wrists start to sweat, my ears get hot, and I'm I'm in fight or flight, and I'm kind of reaching for my keys because it just feels so chaotic in these confrontational situations. I mean, this is real talk here. Sometimes I just get so. This is a big word for me today. I just get so disoriented. I, I don't know what to do. Do you guys have that experience? Please say it's not just me. 
Yeah, I think it's a. <laughs> I did it. I did it again. Uh, it's a. <laughs> it's a common like a common feeling, and I was just thinking about it as you were talking about the whole fight or flight thing. Um, even for us fighters, because there are flighters, right? Even for the fighters, um, we 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 tend to flight unnaturally to prevent the fight. You know, when you're with your kids, when you're with your wife, you don't want to go and do what you want to go and do. You want to avoid that completely. And I think that's an overcorrection. That's just a, a not having a good solid game plan going into the situation. But I think like what you're express, what you're ex- expressing to me, because you're not a flighter, you know, another man steps to you, you're going to stand your ground. But when you're sitting there in front of your wife or your child, you know that that's a different, that's a different fight. Good point. And so we, we, we start to sweat at the wrist, our ears heat up. And instead of engaging in that battle, the way we want to engage in that battle, we'll, we'll just, we'll just leave, which is the wrong decision. Yeah. I think we need to make sure that we, that we hash this out just a touch because that is the, predominant response from men when the battle is taken outside of the world of men uh, in a traditional sense and it's taken to our other responsibilities the most common response is just to shut down to stop speaking to remove ourselves from the situation every man does this but you're saying or what you just said was that's not correct no it can't be i mean you can't run away you can't leave you can't just uh but you 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 need to fight you just need to to understand that going back to the MMA thing, you know, a pro fighter can't be a fighter on the streets. He can still stand his ground. He can still stand up for his beliefs and his convictions, but he's not going to elbow everybody in the face. He's going to go to jail if he does that. So he has to be able to have a strategy outside of the ring where he can accomplish those same things um, in real life that don't, require him to use violence now i'm not saying if somebody comes i mean you'd be stupid to come up to this guy and try to engage in a violent activity with him you know on the streets but i'm just talking about when that guy is standing in front of his wife he has this almost second nature coming into situations and answering back you know counterpunching with 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 violence because that's what he's trained to do but he also has to develop that calm and clarity to assess the situation and deal with it properly. So leaving may be his answer, but it's the wrong answer. I mean, he's got to be able to use his, his brain and, and think about how can I fight this battle in a way that's going to be not only beneficial for me, but beneficial for the people that I'm fighting with. So war has many battles. Um, those battles can all be different, uh, be in a different landscape against a different type of enemy for lack of a better better term i'm not trying to say that our kids or our spouses or our friends at times are our enemies but i think back there are a lot of storylines a lot of movies that go this way that the guy goes off to special forces training and he learns how to kill a man with his index finger and then he goes into the bar he gets a little drunk a guy starts picking a fight because he doesn't really know who this guy is and then because the special forces guy is a little drunk as well he accidentally kills a man you know, that storyline exists for a reason. I think we have to pay attention to, uh, we have to know how to fight right. 
we also have to go through training and we also have to understand what kind of fight we're in. So let's break this down just a little bit with, with the training aspect of it. You have to have a good game plan. So when you get involved in military exercises or MMA exercises, there's a person there who has a pretty solid game plan based on their knowledge of the war, their knowledge of the type of battle, and their knowledge of the warrior. There's just a lot of knowledge banked in there. What I'm trying to get at at this little pause is that there are not a lot of seasoned, there are not a lot of conversations between men in basic training and seasoned warriors. Hmm. We would say because of our position, because there are no seasoned warriors. I don't know if that's true. I don't know that we can actually say that that's true. I just know there are not a lot of conversations between guys in basic and the drill sergeant. Maybe it is that a lot of those seasoned warriors are not stepping into the drill sergeant role for us, so we're having to kind of initiate ourselves. But my dad tells a story. I got my dad on my mind a lot today. Is that all right? My dad tells a story being at Camp Lejeune and – a couple of things that every guy wanted they either wanted to brush their teeth or they wanted to have a smoke and they had been deprived of both of those things for however long had happened there at basic training so they sat them all in a circle and they gave them a toothbrush a loaded toothbrush and a cigarette and the drill sergeant uh, made them sit there with those two things in their hand and then told them at a certain point you can choose one or the other go ahead well as they got the toothbrush to their mouth or the cigarette to their mouth he would say stop they would have to put it back down. This went on for hours, hours, sitting there with these two things, one of which you wanted desperately that you could actually smell as it got close to your face, and then they would stop you. And if you didn't stop, obviously some very negative consequences would occur. Uh, he told me about that experience trying to teach me a lesson that developing discipline in certain respects can be extremely painful. But once you get into a situation where your life is on the line, in our um way of talking about it when your relationships are on the line you will be very thankful for that sort of discipline the point we're trying to make today i think hangerman is that discipline is and the bible talks about this it's not pleasant in the moment but you get great reward for it so we have to be able to as as hangerman submit to the sort of training necessary that equips us to be calm in the chaos as the as the bullets are zipping past or as the the old argument takes its normal place inside of the marriage relationship, we have to be able to say, you know what, I've been through training and I know how to handle this and I'm not going to shut down because that's what a person who hasn't been through training is going to do and and all sorts of stuff happens then. I'm going to actually take action through being disoriented. So the answer to being calm, we're saying, is not inactivity but activity. So kind of my final question for the day is, what does it look like to execute your training in the chaos of war, no matter what uh, relationship we're talking about, what does it look like to execute well in chaos? Um, that's hard to say. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to say. Here's what it looks like. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. we got it, but I think we have to. I, I love the fact that we're not. We we can't just spit out this beautiful answer. This is hard. Yeah, but we got to figure. Even if we don't get it right, we got to put something out there. For the hangar men to think about. Let me clarify, though. What does it look like, or how do you do it? I think those two things are one and the same for me right now. Okay. I'm looking at, I mean, I'm just thinking of what it looks like, a guy who's standing, you know, he's calm, he's collected, he's, you know. Oh, yeah, no, um, no, that's what I mean. I'm, yeah. I'm talking about, like, how do, how do I get there? Yeah, I think we'd mentioned in the very beginning, the very first episode of The Art of War, about identifying the enemy. Your wife is not the enemy. 
Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. It You're, feels like it sometimes. Yeah, I th- I think in this situation, the enemy are your emotions. And rather than your emotions being the enemy, your lack of understanding of those emotions. The enemy is ignorance. Like you, you, we, I, me, we're having problems identifying what is this emotion and what is it in response to? Am I, am I responding in this fight or flight scenario to my wife being the enemy or is this circumstance the enemy? What's the enemy here? Identifying the enemy is absolutely important. And until you can identify the enemy, until you can, until you can know what exactly it is that you're fighting against, you can't know what tools to use in that battle. I agree a hundred percent. I think part of it too, we haven't mentioned this word in a long time. I think part of what roadblocks us to that understanding is pride. Pride stops a lot. The Bible talks about pride coming before a fall for a reason. I think pride blocks us from investigating what that actually looks like. Pride stops us from talking to other men about, man, I am really disoriented emotionally, and I I think I know what I'm feeling, but I don't really know. Can you help me with that? It's hard for us to ask those questions to other men because they're just as confused as we are. I would love for us to start a movement inside of the hangar of guys that actually understand their emotional landscape. They can drop the pride. And then the second layer of that dropping pride is actually admitting to the person that you're speaking to that you're in an altercation with, um, admitting that you are disoriented. Hmm. I have found that to be very helpful in all of my relationships. And I do mean all my relationships with my male friends, relationships with my bosses, both male and female, relationships with my kids, my wife, to be able to say to them, I'm, I'm a little bit disoriented here. I think I understand, but I don't really know. What, what is the issue here? What is it that we're trying to face? That has such a calming effect on my environment. Now, that, that gets us away from the war analogy. I don't know that that has happened in war ever. Hey, time out. I'm a little confused. Um, but the, the, uh, when we start taking that to the environment that we're in, I mean, we are, we are not, our lives are not threatened predominantly in these things that we're talking, in the chaos that we're talking about. So I think being able to, to roll that out, and of course the end product would be a man who's calm, a man who's able to get the resolution, a man who is able to stand his ground. Notice that we have not once mentioned rage being a solution. Yeah, so is there, maybe I can try to put this in a practical application number one, identifying who the enemy is. Okay. I mean, like even if you say, like you said, I'm disoriented. Hold on, wait a minute. Let me understand what's going on. What you're doing is you're identifying what the root of the issue is. You know, even if it's calling into the space in that moment, because you said it, sometimes I feel like my wife is the enemy. I mean, the way she's coming at me is very threatening. I mean, maybe there's a, a, a moment of wisdom when you can say, wait, I am not your enemy. And you are not my enemy. Stop. Yep. What what is the real issue? What are we really getting at? What's the problem? What have I done that makes you feel like this? What is the emotion that's going on between the two of us? Why are we here? Why are we in this moment? Let's just figure that out. And that's hard to do, but it's even it's simple in the fact that even in that moment when you're ready to blow up, I mean, you can I mean, if you yell that out, "Wait, I'm not your enemy." Hold on. You're not my enemy. I'm not your enemy. Let's just stop for a second and let's see what's really going on. What is it that you're feeling? What is it that I'm feeling? And why did, why did I experience that emotion? 
and then we can attack that issue. Yes, I'm wanting to take this. I know that we often talk about it inside the marriage relationship because you and I are both married, but I, I want to say this is something that was forged inside of my marriage that has had tremendous positive effects in every relationship. Um, the way we talk about it inside my house, we, we give the time out and we say, same team. That's our language. That's kind of our code <laughs> code uh, phrase there. This is getting really escalated, same team. And then sometimes she says it to me. Sometimes Cammie says it to me. Sometimes I say it to her. But we have established through our training outside of the chaotic moments inside of our relationship, that is a signal that we need to throttle back some and figure out what we're actually facing. And I, I don't just use that with her. I've got very good, very good friends that I've, I, I've had to employ the strategy with to say, hey, we're same team here. Whatever's going on, we're going to figure out how to get to the solution together. And I can initially be that calming presence because that is my step number one. We're on the same team here. We're not, we're not actually fighting each other. I love how you mentioned that you've figured that out when you weren't in a moment of conflict. Knowing that conflict will come, you say, hey, look, right now things are good. Let's sit down and figure out, hey, what is something that we can do to avoid the upcoming conflict getting out of control? That's you know, it. Yeah. You say, hey, well, let's. what's the code word? What's the safe word? That's you know it. what I mean? Think about the movie uh, Top Gun. Uh, I'm going to try to get as far away from Fight Club as I can. Think about the movie Top Gun. There, There's a time where they're sitting in the room and they're receiving instruction, right? They feel honored to be there. Very masculine movie. Then there's a time where they're in the jets, the fighter jets, and there's the guys that know better than the new guys, and they embarrass the younger guys. But in that embarrassment, they learn something. That's all part of the training process, and it's all part of a process, I think, that we as men are skipping. We're skipping that part of the process because we have the money to buy the jets, and because we're the age of a fighter pilot, because we look like fighter pilots, we just jump in a jet and think we know how to fly them. But we got to go to the the situation room we got to sit there and get some instruction then we have to try some things before we actually get into it that's what training looks like you've got to receive the instruction then you've got to try to implement the instruction and then as a result of that process you can go through something that isn't actually live battle but feels like it all this stuff happens with a group of warriors. It happens among the camaraderie of men. Then once you exercise all those muscles and you actually get into the situations in your life that call for you to be calm in the chaos, you've already been there, if not one time, hundreds of times with the people who are helping train you. So, hanger men, step number, what do you do next? What's your next step? If this is something that you struggle with, identify those relationships when you are in a calm place, get to a place where you can get sit down together and talk about the plan. Say, when we get in conflict, it gets to this point. What are some things that we can put into place as a team, being on the same team? Maybe that's it. Maybe you call timeout, whatever it is. But you establish something that you can start practicing in your relationships with those people while you're at a moment of peace. So that when conflict comes, you have something to pull pull out of your arsenal to make sure that the conflict is resolved healthily. That's right. So you, you receive instruction. Then the second step is implementation. Then the third step is evaluation. You go back to whoever gave you the instruction. I do this weekly with a man named Doug Owen. We talk about things. Then I go implement those things for a week, try them in response to whatever I'm in. Then we go back for evaluation. Doug says, tell me how it went. 
I tell them how it went, and then he's able to say, okay, you zigged here instead of zagged. Let's let's try to correct that. He's a guy that has stepped into that drill instructor role. I think this is a relationship. If we want to become men who can be calm in the chaos, we have to, as hangar men, establish relationships with men who are smarter than we are and can instruct us.